The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. All right, well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing okay? Good, 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 good. Hey, you never know, um, as a very young church plant, uh, in a portable situation, what you're going to walk into on Sunday mornings. And uh, so this morning we walked into... Uh, three screens, but only one working, but that's okay. God is good, and uh, it's going to be great. In fact, our production team has done a great job, and they are behind the screens. You can't even see them. They're here working this morning. So our second service will have two screens. So if <clears throat> one screen is a discretion, come back <clears throat> to the second service, and we'll have two screens. Hey, if you brought a Bible this morning, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 today. We are in the fifth week of a series called Uncommon Joy. And we're trying to figure out what is it possible to experience uncommon joy in all circumstances in life. And so today I've got a monumental task because it's Baptism Sunday. I've got a short period of time to preach on the Mount Everest of Scripture passages today. And so it's going to be good. Let me pray for us and then we're going to jump right in. God, we love you. Thank you for today. Uh, this is the day that you have made. We don't take it for granted. It's never happened before. Today will never happen again. And so, God, may we take advantage of the moment you've given us right now. By the Spirit of the living God, would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hands and feet, to walk in the direction that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in the Colony Theater said, amen and amen. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5 this morning. We're in this series called Uncommon joy. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, these six verses, they're sort of the Mount Everest of scripture passages concerning um, the person of Christ. They are uh, the, the Mount Everest of passages describing how the eternal Son of God stepped out of time, uh, out of eternity into time, and became this man that God intended him to be. And so in this passage, typically, um, if you've ever read Philippians chapter 2, uh, the challenge in Philippians chapter 2 is that we read it, but we read it with such a um, deep theological lens, if, if you would allow me to use that word this morning. It's such a deep passage, sometimes we read it with this systematic theological view because it seems so deep. But I want to remind us this morning, if you've been around here the last four weeks in this series, that there's a, there's a background. Uh, there's an arena for which Paul is about to speak to us here in this passage. And the background, the platform for what Paul is about to say is that there are two women in the church at Philippi who have disagreements. And we don't know what those disagreements are, but for some reason, they're separated, they're divided over some issue. And so last week, we began to talk about this idea of humility. Now, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, Paul's going to walk us through practically what it means to be a humble person. But the quarrel, the conflict that's happening in the church at Philippi here that Paul has set as the background for what he's about to say is this background of conflict and quarreling and it's threatening to destroy the unity of the entire church. You know this to be true. 
I know this to be true. We all know this to be true, that when pride exists in a person's life, in an individual's life, uh, when pride exists in a family, when pride exists in a church, when pride exists in a government or even in an entire country, the potential for pride to destroy, to divide, to set people against each other, pride perpetuates conflict, it breaks up marriages, And so this morning, Paul is going to bring us back to this concept of humility. And if you were here last week, I want to remind us that humility is the soil in which unity thrives. Whenever there's conflict, Paul says the pathway back to peace is humility. The way to settle conflict for each, is for each person to seek humility. But the question before us today in Philippians chapter 2 is how do we do this? Because when you're angry, when you've got conflict going on in your life, your family's life, and the life of a friend, however it may be, and however it may manifest, your patience is running thin, how is it that we resist the urge to defend ourselves? How is it that we resist the urge to allow pride to swell up in our lives, to dominate and divide our lives? And the answer is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11 today. Now, if you'll read with me, starting in verse 5, we're going to make our way all the way down to verse 11. Paul says in verse 5, In your relationships with one another, remember the context, the backdrop, the background for Paul's words this morning, are this conflict that's happening in the church at Philippi. He reminds us here, so this is not just a deep theological passage, it's not a Christological passage, it's not this deep systematic theology passage. This is very, very practical. He says, in your relationships with one another, it's as if he is speaking to these two women directly when this letter is read to them. In your relationships with one another, Paul says this, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is the key to unity. The key to unity is here in verse 5. So in our NIV version of the Bible, our English translation of the Bible in the NIV, it's translated mindset. There's other translations of the Bible that would translate it as the attitude of Christ Jesus or have the same disposition as Christ Jesus. Let me say what it does not mean. What Paul is not saying here is for us to simply imitate Christ. Christianity is not simply imitating Jesus, imitating Christ's lifestyle. I want to propose to us that we will never experience the deepest joy that God would have for our lives if just simply imitating Christ is the best we can do. So Paul says, have the same mind that you see in Christ Jesus. How do we do that? We're going to see that in verse 6 through 11. Verse 6 says, who being in the very nature of God, he's talking about Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. There's a deep mystery here, by the way. There's a deep mystery here in just this one verse. Later on, Paul writes a letter to Timothy, and he calls this the mystery of godliness. In the next few verses, I believe there are three things that are evident to us on how we can have the mind of Christ. Now, I want you to keep this concept of conflict in our, um, in our um, front view mirror as we begin to work through this passage and see how Paul is going to tell us that we should have the mind of Christ. And the first thing is this, as we see from verse 6, Jesus gave up his right to his rights. 
Jesus gave up his right to his rights, who being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Now listen, what Paul is not saying here is that Jesus gave up his godness. Jesus did not give up his godness. Jesus gave up his right to his godness. What we understand as we survey all of Scripture is that Jesus was equal with God the Father. He was equal with the Holy Spirit. He was equal in both nature. He's equal in both essence. He was existing in the exact form of God. Listen, Jesus in every way, we believe as we read Scripture, was fully God. Jesus was present. He was active when the universe was created. The scriptures tell us that everything in, in the universe is upheld by his word. From all eternity, scripture tells us that Jesus had the rights and the privileges of being God. Now that's important here this morning. Jesus had the right to be God. But verse 6 tells us something very important that's going to be instructed to us as we navigate conflict in our own life. Even though he had all this, even though he had the right to be God, he didn't hold on to those things at all costs. You know what he did? The scripture says he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Now listen, what he did not empty himself of was his deity, he couldn't empty himself of his deity. When he stepped out of heaven and into time, it was impossible for Jesus to empty himself of his deity. He could not shed that part of who he was. He was fully God. He was fully man. He could not shed the fully God part of who he was. He did not give up his right as God. But what we understand from verse 6 was that Jesus gave up his right to enjoy the rights of being God. Can I say to us this morning, that's how humility begins. That's how humility begins. Humility begins when we're willing to lay aside our right to enjoy our rights. That's a difficult concept to process in our world. Humility begins when we're willing to lay aside the right to enjoy our rights. Now, when we move down to verse 7, Verse 7 is going to tell us that the thought of laying down his rights was followed by an action. What was that action? Verse 7 says this. Rather, Jesus made himself nothing. By taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So Jesus emptied himself. He, he poured himself out. If you like college football... Um, you've ever seen, or football in general, you've seen the players who will um, bring the Gatorade bucket at the end of the game for a big win, and they'll empty the bucket onto the winning coach's head so that there's nothing left inside. This is the concept that we see in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Jesus poured out every right he had to enjoy life as God. But Pastor Matt, what about all the miracles? Pastor Matt, what about the feeding of the 5,000? Pastor Matt, what about when Jesus, the story of Jesus raising someone from the dead? What we understand is that wasn't Jesus' inherent power as God. What that was, was God working through him as a man. One pastor said it like this. He did not come to behave as God. He came to show us how God would act through a man to show us man as God intended man to be. Now, that's humanity. He came to show us that the secret of man's life is complete dependence 
upon an indwelling God. Now, there's some deep theology that we're processing through, but it's important, and I hope you can begin to make application. But in all of Jesus' years on earth, Jesus didn't take one step. Jesus didn't perform one miracle as an act of his own inherent deity. What did he do? But rather, he did so in complete dependence upon the indwelling Father. This is important this morning for us. Supportive for us this morning as we're beginning to understand how we work through conflict and can have uncommon joy. This is how Jesus described God indwelling him and working through him as he lived on earth. John chapter 5, verse 19. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Then in John chapter 14, verse 10, Jesus again says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father? And the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now listen to me. This example of Jesus is what we also should be. Totally available to the indwelling presence of God in our life. That's what Christ came to show us. And that's important as we walk through what it means to have joy in the midst of conflict. That's the first step to having the mind of Christ. And it's significant, but it's not the only thing that we need to understand about having the mind of Christ. Christ went beyond just, just showing us and showing humanity that we ought to live with God dwelling in us, totally dependent on God. There was another step. So we see from Christ, he was completely dependent on God in his life. That's important for us today. And I want to say to us, as I've said throughout this series, unity and joy will not be possible unless we are walking in dependence with Christ. Now look at the second step of having in mind the Christ. Verse 8. The scripture says, And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. The scripture says, Even death on a cross. And so Jesus not only gave up his right to enjoy his rights. Listen to what he did. This is important. This is important. This is going to challenge us. Jesus also assumed the hurt. Jesus assumed the injury. He resumed the rejection of an unbelieving world. And listen to what he did. He did it without complaint. That's so important this morning. Without complaint. He was obedient unto death. We understand this. Jesus was the only man who ever lived he was the only man who ever lived who did not have to die. But he gave himself up to die, but not because he deserved it. We understand Jesus gave up his life voluntarily. By the end of his life, think about it. If you know the story of Jesus, by the end of Jesus' life, Jesus had been deserted by his friends, even his own closest disciples. He had been betrayed by a man that he invested the last three years of his life into he was handed over to the Roman authorities by this man he invested his life into. Then Jesus was cursed. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was spit on. Jesus was stripped naked. And then Jesus was nailed to a cross as any ordinary common criminal. And Paul tells us, Paul tells us that Jesus humbled himself even to death on a cross. Think about that the next time you're in conflict. 
The next time we have this urge to assert our, our rights, if you will, the urge to withdraw from others in the midst of conflict, the urge to accuse others, the urge to justify ourselves, the urge to retaliate against others. Remember that. Jesus was the only man who ever lived who did not have to die, yet he humbled himself, he subjected himself, he allowed himself to assume the hurt, the injury, the rejection, and he did it without complaint. Church, this morning, if we're ever, ever, ever going to come to the point where we have the mind of Christ, we have to remember that the willingness to give up our rights, remember the first part of this process of having the mind of Christ, the, the willingness to, to come to the point where we will give up our rights must be accompanied by the willingness to accept the cost of someone else's wrongdoing. Now, that's hard to do. Are we willing to accept the cost of someone else's wrongdoing in the midst of conflict? That may mean we bear injury. That may mean we, we put up with false accusations. That may mean we put up with insults. That may mean we are embarrassed. That may mean we are publicly put to shame. But Jesus came to the earth. Listen to this. Understand this. This is why this is such a rich passage. And, and we can't just, just go off and make practical application without understanding the deep, rich theological understanding of what Christ did for us. But Jesus came to earth to assume this place of bearing injury even to the point of death. Listen, this makes sense when we realize that the cross is the place where we belong. Yet Christ came to earth to assume the place where we belong. That's the place where he came to be. Listen, and that's the place where we begin. That's the place where we begin. We humble ourselves. We are willing to accept injury in conflict. Now listen, there's a third step to understanding the mind of Christ this morning. And I want you to understand that the first two steps are works and actions of our own individual lives. But this third step that we see here in Philippians chapter 3 of having the mind of Christ, which ultimately brings peace, which ultimately brings joy, which ultimately brings unity, this third step is up to God. Now listen to how verse 9 through 11 describes it. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above, listen, every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ, here is the word, is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Church, this morning, because Jesus gave up his rights, because Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, he would be given the name that Jews would be considered, would consider unspeakable. It would be the name that Jews would consider unpronounceable in the Old Testament. It was Yahweh translated Jehovah. In the New Testament, we translate the name that God gave Jesus because he humbled himself, because he submitted himself to injury on our behalf. God gave him the name Lord. This is what Lord means. It means that he has the right to everything he surveys. Everything Jesus sees, he has the right to it. Everything Jesus can encounter, he's got the authority and the, and the power and the right to it. And he won that position. Why? Because he committed himself. 
to renouncing himself of his own rights, humbling himself to the point of death. And what was the result? Listen, what was the result? The result was peace. What do you mean peace, Pastor Matt? I don't understand what you mean. The result is peace. How? The scripture says every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. Every voice will ascribe praise to Jesus above every other created thing. That's how God brought peace, made peace possible between us and God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to how the scripture describes it. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how peace was made possible to humanity. And if you're a Christian this morning, I would suggest to us that we probably have no difficulty accepting the doctrinal reality, the teaching in this scripture, the theology that we see in this. We probably have no problem agreeing to this doctrine. But listen, the question before us today, especially if you're in the midst of conflict today, is do you agree to this in terms of your relationships with others? That's where the rubber hits the road. Does your understanding of Philippians chapter 2 translate into the experience of Philippians chapter 2? Remember what verse 5 said as we started. Verse 5 said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The Philippians were in disagreement over something. We're not totally sure what it was, but it divided, it separated one from another. And that was a situation that Paul stepped into with this healing ministry, these words that he brings to the Philippian church. And what would come as a result of them giving up their rights, of them humbling themselves to the point of assuming injury, would be unity, would be joy, would be peace. Paul's not saying, listen to me, Paul's not saying, imitate Christ. Achieve this mind in Christ. He's saying, remember what he said here? Let this mind be in you. He's saying you already have this. Allow it to be made real in your life. And the result is peace and joy. How? How does it happen, Pastor Matt? How does it happen when you give up your right to your rights? When you humble yourself and accept the injury that may come from conflict? How how does it happen? Well, these last few verses tell us how. It comes because God will work his way. He will bring peace and unity as a result. Why? Because he takes over. And he brings us to this final step of the mind of Christ. Can I ask you this morning, do you believe if you give up your right to your rights this morning? If you accept the hurt without complaint that you experience in conflict, that God will bring victory and peace, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because I want to say to us this morning as we close, you will only experience the mind of Christ to the extent that you accept that. That you are willing to give up your right to your rights, to accept the hurt without complaint. Pastor Matt, do you not understand humanity? Do you not understand my first reaction when I'm hurt is anger? Do you not understand my first reaction when someone injures me is that I want to snap off into a Slim Jim? Do you not understand how humanity works, Pastor Matt? Do you not understand that I feel upset? Can I say to you, that's normal. 
It's the inevitable human reaction when we are injured. But listen, the not normal human reaction is to not strike back, to not retaliate, but to let this passage, these teachings, remove our right to our rights, humble ourselves to the point of injury. This is the starting point to let Christ press in to our will. Listen to the spirit that says this to you this morning. Do not insist on your rights. Bear the hurt willingly for the sake of peace. And if you try to work through it, I know you think I'm crazy this morning. If you try to work through it this morning and you can't work through it, I believe Jesus would say, then forget it. Take it for Jesus' sake without complaint. And Paul is saying this morning, this is the voice that we should be listening to. The inevitable result is that God works his will and his way and peace and unity come as a result. I don't know if there's conflict you're experiencing this morning. Conflict in your marriage, conflict with your kids, conflict with your parents, conflict in your job, conflict, just ordinary conflict among friends this morning. I don't know if you're experiencing conflict, but I want to say to us this morning, this passage and this message particularly are not intended simply to inform our intelligence But it should practically affect us the way I hope it affected the Philippians when this letter was read to them in their presence as they're experiencing conflict. So if you have conflict this morning with someone, if you're tempted to withdraw, if you're tempted to react, if you're tempted to respond in a way that dishonors the Lord, let me encourage you by ending with this. Let this mind be in you, which you have in Christ Jesus. Jesus gave up his rights. He humbled himself to the point of death so that God could exalt him to bring peace and unity. I know this to be true as a parent. I have kids who I'm praying for that they would come to faith in Jesus. They are not yet there. (laughs) And so there are moments in our family's life where they'll be watching TV and one show ends and now they're debating among the three of them who watches the next show and who gets the next show and all of a sudden conflict erupts in the home. Maybe I'm alone. I'm the only one that experiences this. But you know, the best I can hope for with kids who do not understand Philippians chapter 2, who do not have the, the presence of the spirit of the living God to help them understand Philippians chapter 2, you know the best I can hope for? Compromise. That's the best I can hope for. Let's just try to compromise. Well, you watch 30 minutes. Now let him watch 30 minutes. Now you watch this show. Can we agree on a show together? The best we can come to without the Spirit of God living in us is compromise. But if you're a Christian this morning, the best we can expect is way more. It's peace, it's joy, and it's unity. If we'll give up our right to our rights, if we'll humble ourselves to the point of injury and allow God to exalt us in peace and unity and joy. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today, a brief time in the scriptures together. God, I thank you for such a deep, rich passage. 
Jesus, I pray this morning that by the spirit of the living God, you would take the passage we've read and heard and apply it to our lives personally. God, I'm confident today in a room of several hundred people in the first service and the second service today. God, I'm confident there are people who are experiencing conflict in their marriage, with their kids, with their parents, in their job, with their friends. And Lord, may this, if we have the spirit of the living God within us, be our constant, be our guide. Let it speak deeply to us and press into us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, we're going to head out for baptism here this morning. We're set up out here on 3rd Street. And so if you have kids, can I ask you to go ahead and grab your kids, um, bring them down so that our kids' workers can go on and move on. And, um, and after you grab your kids, if you don't have kids, everybody can head out to 3rd Street. And we're going to be out there. We'll baptize in about seven minutes. And then our second service will start right at 1130 on time. Thank you for being here this week. We love you guys. See you next week.